0: Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president
1: and founder of the St. John Institute. St. Thomas Aquinas is one of the greatest minds in the history of the world. He wrote about authority and leadership. In many different ways and in many places. Today I'd like to begin a series studying his thoughts on leadership and the impact that that can make directly on our modern day leaders. Join me in this exciting adventure as we begin a 10-part series on leadership lessons in Aquinas. Hi everybody, thanks so much. I'm so glad to be back with you again. We are studying here in a special way the thought of a man who whose thinking actually helps shape our modern world in ways that many of you are not even aware of. I mean, we all know about George Washington. We all know about Thomas Paine. We all know about all these type of thinkers that shaped modern America. But many of us don't, what many of us don't realize is that America, of course, did not just come out of thin air. America actually uh, was itself sitting on a foundation of thinking that was formed by others long before them. And some, one of the most profound thinkers who helped shape the foundations of society that gave birth to America is St. Thomas Aquinas, a Catholic Dominican friar who was born in 1225 and who you know, died in 1270, uh, and whose course of life profoundly impacted the the foundational structures of the world that we live in. So when you come to this session and you ask yourself, how do I become a better leader? You've got different ways of looking at that. Most leadership stuff, as we know, focuses kind of on techniques, things that you can apply. Why? Because the people who are writing those books want to sell them to people who want to see concrete results in measurable fashion right? We all know this. It drives, it's one of the things that kind of drives me crazy about the modern leadership world is that, well, I mean, like it, it shouldn't drive me crazy. I mean, it's just that it's customer driven, right? You want to come into this session with Father Nathan today and say, okay, I want the St. John Institute to teach me three things that I can then implement with a plan and an accountability structure so that my company actually changes. And I'm like, that's just great. We'll do that. That's no problem. You know, that's what everyone kind of does. But you got to remember that when you do that, you are also sacrificing something. You're sacrificing a depth and a fruitfulness that really could transform your company. Because if you reduce everything about leadership down to three practices or whatever that you can implement, and then you want to turn that accountability structure over to somebody else and say, well, I'll pay a company then to follow up and make sure that our company does what, you know, you're really... You know, in a sense, I think you're truncating the power of authentic leadership. And I think it's very important. But I want to I look a little bit more deeply with you and say, isn't there a better way? Because at the same time, that there have been billions and billions of dollars spent on leadership over the last 40 years. Have we really moved the needle? Have we really uh, impacted? Are, are our companies now led better, for example, than they were 40 years ago? Or 50 years ago, when all this leadership stuff started coming out, I mean, have we really made that impact? I think obviously we, you could say we have, but have, we, have are things better off? Or in fact, are we not being effective in how we're doing it? And honestly, I think that while it's a fine thing to have these types of methods and techniques and everything for your leadership, I also think you can never replace the depth of the way that God teaches leadership, the way that God teaches leadership. He never walks away and says, there's the three recipes for success. You know, if you take these five methods and apply them across your company, you know, in this way with this accountability structure and these techniques, and then if you pay us for it, you know, you're going to see guaranteed results. Like that's fine if you could do it again, but there's another way that God approaches leadership. God approaches leadership by transforming the interior heart of the leader herself. If the leader herself can actually integrate deeply the teachings of the gospel and the light of the Holy Spirit, there's no one who can lead better than a leader. And if you want to bring leadership into your company, then you need to lead the leaders of your company and you need to bring them a formation that's as deep and as stable as you can. Because when you then turn that off and you say, you know what, I want you to implement this in three different steps in my company with accountability processes, you're actually giving the leadership over to the leadership agency who doesn't belong to your company. And again, that's just fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But like we can do better and we can do better by profoundly changing ourselves that's what I want to do at the St. John Institute. I want, I want my leaders to go through this program saying, my life itself is transformed. My leadership that I learned here, I, I take to, to my home. I take that to my, I, I keep this forever. That's the type of leadership that God himself designs. He doesn't want a technique. He wants a person. And he forms that person by the gift of intelligence and the strengthening of the will, light and courage those two are the recipes of God for his leader and so I want to help that dimension by bringing you into this session here and I'm going to be giving you a different approach to leadership okay because this doesn't say anything is wrong with the eight habits of this and the and the four you know dimensions of this and the five qualities of this I think all oh, that's really great and if you can implement that stuff that's just wonderful And you know, of course we have our own methods to do just that here as well. But today in this next session, I wanna give you 10 classes that I'm convinced will make a deeper impact, will make an impact that lasts for the rest of your life and will make a broader impact in that all that you're learning here and being and growing here will actually impact not only your company's leadership, but also you in every aspect of your leadership. You can take this stuff and integrate it successfully across all of the areas of your life. So I'd like us to start with a prayer because obviously this is pretty important stuff. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, you made me your leader. You've summoned me out of the dust and breathed upon me your spirit. I pray now that you inspire this course. Inspire these leaders. Help each one of us to hear your voice. To follow you. And to effectively lead those around us for the glory of your kingdom. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So who exactly is St. Thomas Aquinas? I just want to briefly introduce you to this man. He, he was very uh, a portly gentleman, to put it lightly, uh, who lived in the 1200s, uh, taught in France, worked in, in Italy and France mostly, and whose life and thinking, they used to call him the dumb ox when he was in school because he wasn't very talkative, he was kind of shy, And his teacher heard his students, uh, you know, ridiculing him, calling him the dumb ox, and one day called on him in class. And Thomas Aquinas not only gave the response back to the teacher, but corrected the teacher on two or three points. And he did so, so brilliantly that the teacher, who was St. Albert the Great, actually responded, you call this man the dumb ox, but one day the bellowing from this ox shall be heard the the world around. And that's exactly what happened. He became uh, uh, an intellectual whose writings formed presidents, kings, thinkers, the world of business more profoundly than anyone I can think of in Western civilization. He really is that big of a figure. The problem with Thomas Aquinas is just that he's hard to read. And some people don't read him because it's, it's difficult to read. And he wrote in Latin, so you're always reading translations. So I want to dive in with you in one of his principal works. I want to do it in the Latin, and of course I'll be translating into English for you. But I want you to, to get a taste for the power of this man's thought.
0: Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to EagleEyeMinistries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E-Ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today.
1: All right, so I want to begin with a work that he wrote uh, for a king, right? A ruler. And you got different titles for this. Some of them it is called like On the King and other ones call it, you know, On the Rule of Princes. The title doesn't really matter very much, but What's, what's essential in this is that he dedicates it to the king of Cyprus, right? So he basically what he says is, you know, I, I want to present a gift to your royal highness, and so I thought, what would I better give to a king than a book on kingship? Now, you think of kingship. That word king is regi, right, in, in, in Latin, or, or, or regno, right, on, on reigning, R-E-G is the same word we have for reigning. So you can almost look at to the one who reigns on the art of reigning. So here you really have principles. It's not written for business leaders, but it's written in such a way that you can draw out principles for us in the world of business written by the greatest mind of Western civilization from his writing to a king. So there's a lot, obviously, that won't apply. I mean, he's going to talk about, basically, you have a a preface, and then you have book one and book two. Book one in this is all focused on the different, the origins of the kingly state, and then the second one is what befits, you know, the life of a king, right? So we're going to pull these principles out from these two books, these two chapters, if you will, uh, of these books, and, and then elucidate them. Because if we can bring them out, we're going to hear Aquinas addressing us wherever we reign. It's not just a matter of being a king in a political sense here. It's a matter of wherever you reign, where do you have authority and what do you have authority over? Wherever you reign or have authority over, these principles are going to apply to you. So this is just, I want to dive right in. First principle Thomas brings to us, so he just starts off the book, like I said, he's writing to the king of Cyprus, and you know, he says, I'm going to rely for this upon the the Bible, upon philosophers, and then upon uh, leaders themselves, upon princes themselves, right? And I think this is really amazing, right? Because right off the bat, he's giving three places that we can all turn to in order to better our leadership. The first is sacred scripture. Who would ever think that the Bible has things to teach about leadership, right? Most of us today, we come into this room and we think, all right, I'm being taught by a monk. That's already kind of weird, right? And then number two, like, you know, what is this monk gonna tell me about the practicalities of the world in which we live? And I just wanna remind you that the practicalities of the world in which you live were made by God. A monk should know what the, how this world spins better than most, not by practical knowledge, but by the study of the author of this world, who himself created the world in order to spin. We think sometimes too little of business. We think of business almost like in competition with our faith, as if somehow like the saints were those who didn't do business, And then there's the rest of us who just get saddled with this you know terrible task of having to do things in the world and then making of course the the bad word called profit right can you imagine having to actually make a profit like this is just a terrible thing i just want to remind you that saint joseph supplied for the needs of the virgin mary by the work of his own hands he had to make a profit as well or else his labor wouldn't benefit Mary. St. Joseph did not grow up in communism, okay? Either did Jesus. How do you think Jesus provided for the Virgin Mary? It was by the work of his hands. And he must have provided very well because the Virgin Mary lived for three entire years without his financial support. Joseph is out of the picture. Most likely he died. Otherwise, he would have been in the picture. Who was it that was caring for his mother? If you remember in John 19, 28, from that hour, St. John takes Mary into his own. Why? Because in John 19, 27, Jesus gave Mary into the care of John. That means that Mary was in the care of Jesus, but Jesus wasn't working. He must have built up at least three years of savings sufficient to supply for the needs of his own mother, through the work of his hands, he was known as the carpenter's son. My friends, this means he had to make a profit and quite a profit in order to supply for Mary. Now, again, is there any proof for that? No, there's no proof for that. That's just my speculation. But at the same time, you can't deny the, the, the vital role of profit. Profit comes from the, the necessity of we all have to live off the work of our hands, And so you who do just that, you come to this course, you know, today, I want you to to see that the Bible has a lot to teach you about leadership. The author of the human experience is God himself. And the work of of our hands was given to us by God at the moment of creation. He said, tend this garden and, you know, and work it. He entrusted the almost like a completion of creation. Creation itself was completed, but then he left the garden able to be perfected by the work of the hands of Adam. And he continues to leave that garden to be perfected by the work of our hands, the garden of finance, the garden of, of insurance, the garden of medicine, the garden. We have to ply our trades and ply them well in such a way as to provide for us and our offspring And then those who are in need because of this world of sin. This is the the great vocation and calling of business to become engaged in. And Aquinas actually turns and says, if I'm going to advise a king on kingship or a ruler on how to rule, I'm going to turn to sacred scripture because the author of sacred scripture, God, is the same one who's the author of the human story. Second place, he turns, is philosophers. I can say, what in the world is a philosopher? Think of philosophers as people who think independently of the light of faith. Not as if they replace the light of faith or as if faith doesn't have value. Of course it does. But that they add to that light of faith a dimension of saying, and we can figure this out on our own. So there's certain things that you can't figure out on your own. There's other things that you can. We need smart thinkers, in other words. Not just people of faith, but also people who, independently of faith, can reflect on experience and draw conclusions worthy of guidance. And then, interestingly enough, and I just love this, he then adds the dimension, he says, of worthy princes. In Latin, it's, Exemplo Laudatorum Principum. The example of... Of, of praiseworthy princes why because I think Thomas knows that when it comes to reigning it's an art form more than a study there's there's a skill here and an ability that is best learned from watching those who have done it before us how many of us have, where would we be today without our mentors? right? Where would we be today without people who have done what we try to do, who teach us how to rule by the rule that they themselves have exemplified in their life? Thomas is showing here that while you can have principles and you can have guide rules, in the end, it's a practical thing. You need to see how people actually apply those principles to the concrete circumstances of their life. And we're going to see in our first principle here, we're going to study today, that that guiding light is essential. Leadership is not something you can learn in a book. It's not something you can learn at school. It's something that you learn by doing. You learn to lead by leading. You learn about leading from those who have led. And even Aquinas does this. And I think there's, you have to have immense respect because I know some of you coming into this are saying to yourself, oh my gosh, this is all this intellectual stuff. I don't have time for this. What I need is practical people who can tell me how to do what I gotta do because we are doers, not thinkers. Well, I want you to to think a little bit about that because that's not the way we're going to actually approach this course. This is not about just saying we're going to be uh, thinkers and not doers. That doesn't help. And here's Aquinas, our teacher, saying, i got three sources. i got the Bible. I've got intelligent men to reflect on things with. You could almost put your business coach right there. And then I've got the example of people who have actually implemented this truth. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute,
0: the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at
1: SaintJohnInstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. So then, let's dive right in. I mean, what is what does Aquinas actually teach us here? Uh, so you get to Book One, Chapter One. And the thing about Aquinas is that it's like it looks like it's easy. It's just kind of there, almost like a swimming pool. But the moment you step into that swimming pool is the moment you start to drown. (laughs) In other words, like, you're just kind of like, well, this is a short little book. I'll whiz right through this on the airplane. You can't just whiz right through Aquinas because there's so much there that is so powerful in its simplicity. And we're going to see this right off the bat. He begins, right? Principium autum intentionis nostre hinc sumere oportet, ut quid nomine regis intelligendum sit. So I can keep on going right there. But this is, that's in Latin, of course. That's his language. I just wanted to throw you a little curveball. What he says is that in all things which are ordered towards an end, wherein this or that course may be adopted, some directive principle is needed through which the due end may be reached by the most direct route. This is such a profound way for him to begin this. It's his very first sentence in the whole thing. And already he's giving us food for thought that's extremely fruitful. What is this this world that we're engaged in, this world of business? What is it consistent? What makes it different from any other thing? And, And leadership consists in the ability to move towards a singular goal In the midst of a million different ways to get to that goal we know that we got to create profit and a sustainable company boom now how in the world can i do that and if you try to map a course out we all know real well you know it's like i want to go from point a to point b and then your board says that's very fine good job for you billy you know good you know you go from point a to point b And then you have that verified by this company that says that the data behind this shows that it's going to be successful. And then you go over here and you have it verified by this person who says, we've done it before and it's going to be successful. You know, so you get all your blue ribbons on everything. And then you step out the door. And the very first thing that happens is the key person that you needed to make this work quits. (laughs) And you're like, what? And then because they quit, someone else on that side quits. And then this person over here has to go on maternity leave. And then underneath you, the, the, there's some sort of virus that plagues the entire world. And suddenly the, the f- funding you were totally depending upon drops out, right? And now you've got to shift. And you're like, what happened to that singular goal? I had a goal, I had a method. And don't we all know who are in leadership how annoying it is When people who don't understand that surround us and start to try to make us feel guilty because we should have known this or that. There's this tendency in the world to sit there and blame everybody. And we don't have time to blame everybody. Blame is one of the worst things that can afflict a corporation. Because when everyone's spending time blaming, what they're basically doing is giving excuses for failure. I can fail and it's because this person over here made me fail, right? And it's funny because the thing about blame is that it looks just the opposite. It looks like what you're trying to say is I have to hold you accountable. But what you're really doing is saying it's not my fault. So when the milk is spilled, everyone stands around and says, I didn't spill it. I didn't spill it. Who's going to clean the milk up, folks? We don't have time to sit here and say, let's explain how the milk spilled and whose fault it was. It really doesn't matter at this point because that milk is just sitting there seeping into the carpet. Let's move. Right? We all know this. We got to do this. We are like a sailor, says Aquinas here. I'm just going to read you directly from him because it's, it's really neat. He goes right into it and he says, A ship, for example, which can move in many different directions according to the impulse of the changing winds, would never reach its destination were it not brought to port by the skill of the pilot. Now each one of us, he goes on, has an end to which your whole life and all your actions are ordered. Right? with the success, the definition of success for each one of us. What does that mean for you? You all have that end, and, and, right? and, you're, and everything is for that. And so he says, therefore, since man is an intelligent agent, and it is clearly the part of the intellect agent to act in view of the end, you would, must also adopt different methods to proceeding towards your proposed ends. And this is shown by the diversity of the pursuit and the actions so consequently man needs some directive principle to guide him towards his end it's really a kind of a simple thought here wherever there's a huge amount of diversity like there is and every time that we engage in business you need to have something that makes the decisions something that coordinates the many things and coordinates them with the skill to pivot and to move. Like a sailor who's got waves coming at him from the left, waves at the right, winds that shift all of a sudden on him, weight in the boat that loses balance. And there's one person who calls a shot in that boat, and that's the captain. Why? Because you need to have one thing that has the ability to read, and, to, and, and, and you can have a greater skill as a captain, you can have a lesser skill as a captain, but a ship without a captain won't make it because everyone will have a different opinion on how to get there. So the key is to find a captain who knows how to navigate in the multiplicity of things. And such a captain will be someone who's intelligent. This is where a leader shines. A leader is found in the person who can bring the ship to port, bring the business into success amidst all of the changes and the vicissitudes and the the constant chaos that surrounds them. And that person
0: is you. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at org. That's info at org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org, that's eagleeyeministries.org. Ministries dot